Mention male enhancement or penis augmentation at any social event and you'll definitely draw some giggles and a few raised eyebrows. But I bet nobody will ask you to stop talking. More likely is that they'll adjust their seating position slightly, lean in a tiny bit more and focus their attention, all the while trying to seem uninterested. They'll be curious about how much you actually know about the topic, how it's performed and what exactly it is that motivates a person to have that type of procedure done. They might have some concerns themselves or for a partner, or they might want to know if they quote-unquote measure up to today's standards. Bottom line, while breast augmentation for females is one of the world's most commonly performed and widely socially accepted elective procedures, treatments designed to increase the size of the penis are still poorly understood among the majority of the public. And, like our previous discussion on circumcisions, the taboos surrounding these topics can often place a barrier in front of those who are too embarrassed to explore options that might help with a wide variety of issues, from medical and physiological to problems with self-esteem and confidence. Just before we get into this one, it's also important to address another issue that can and does arise around these sorts of conversations. These procedures exist as do the millions of people who struggle every day with issues that few can understand, except those who suffer themselves. To ignore that fact, to cast judgment on people who decide to undergo so-called elective or non-essential surgeries, or on the people that perform those surgeries, assuming those professionals are acting in the client's best interest, is a product of pure ignorance. The freedom to choose is a privilege. Whether that choice is what colour shoes you buy, or having a procedure that could help you feel better in yourself. So while this podcast is not about advocating surgery or convincing a person to have procedures, it is about sharing knowledge and empowering people to make an informed decision, whatever that decision might be. Dr. Sam from the Newacell Clinic joins me again today as we continue our male health series to discuss the realities of penis augmentation. And he answers some of the common questions that he regularly gets on this topic. I hope you enjoy. This is a podcast about finding answers to human questions, taking control and feeling good. This is the Human Regeneration Project. Okay, Dr. Sam Van Eden, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Dan. Uh, so today we're going to continue with our male health series of podcasts. Mm. Um, we spoke the last time with Dr. Ernu from mm. Namibia, yeah. um, and we were discussing specifically circumcision. Mm. Uh, but today we're going to talk about something in the same ballpark, but slightly different. We're going to talk about male enhancement or penis enhancements. Mm. Um, and I'll say the same thing I said before the last chat. This is obviously all for educational purposes. So mm. anybody listening, we're not intending here to embarrass or, or mm. to, to be vulgar or anything like that. This is medicine. This is natural and it's a real issue, as we'll find out when you give us some of your statistics there. So um, we will be using some terminology and stuff that some people might find uncomfortable. um, But this is absolutely perfectly normal. And this is kind of day to day for you here in the clinic anyway and and for many people. Yeah, true. But at the same time, it might be day to day for me. But I, as a fact, working with with real people, in particular men in, in, in the male health environment, it is uh, very embarrassing and most of the time uh, a no-go uh, subject in yeah. the first place. Yeah. So I respect 
the the, the sincere um, concerns sometimes people would have about discussing issues like that, and particularly if they talk about themselves, their concerns, people find it very difficult to even speak about it. You yeah. know, so I fully appreciate your remark there, and I just want to put in that context that we do respect yeah. that. We were having a little chat just before we turned the microphones on there, and I was telling you that this is one of those one of those subjects that people are embarrassed to be interested about because if if, we're ever, if I'm ever having a conversation somewhere and people are asking me what we do in the clinic, mm. um, and I mention things like any sort of male procedure um, or even hair transplants and stuff like that, everyone starts laughing. All the lads start laughing, but you can see them looking at you out of the corner of their eye, kind of thinking. Go on, tell us, tell us a little bit more. So everybody yeah. is, is, even if they're not interested in having a procedure like this, they want to yeah. know how it's done. Exactly. And it's one of those kind of taboo things that people, they, they don't want to be seen to be interested in case people interpret that as, oh, this person has a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but really everybody is interested in, in the, the kind of the ins and the outs, maybe not getting into the really gruesome stuff, but they, they want to know the, the, yeah. the kind of the, the black and white of it and, and what exactly it yeah. is and how it's, how it's done. The interesting thing you mentioned there is the word everybody, Dan. Now I can tell you, it's nearly everybody. So it is true that it's an embarrassing um, uh, topic, but the fact is that uh, a very interesting study of over 50,000 men interviewed um, and the report by Professor Kevin Wiley, he's a consultant in sexual medicine at the University of Sheffield, clearly showed that 45% of men has at some stage considered themselves to be inadequate, too small or not of the right size or have some issue and would have loved to have a bigger penis. Yeah. So 45%, nearly one or two of men, uh, considers this. And of course, a topic like this is something that you would not like to discuss maybe in public, but certainly from an interest point of view, surely one out of two of the lads that you were talking to would certainly have considered at least yeah. according to the statistics there. You know, yeah. So it makes it interesting and very relevant that a topic like this should be discussed, yeah. you know. Well, I believe that because it, it is—it's a social—it's a social stigma, really. The, the the size of the penis is one of those things that everybody in their life has probably made a joke about at some at some point. And as I say, fifty percent of the people making those jokes are, are, are covering it up, and the other fifty percent are probably just as interested in yeah, it because um, yeah. it it seems to be. I don't know. In ancient cultures, there's all sorts of ramifications of size and in, in terms of like your power and and um, there's a lot yeah. of cultures that that the phallic kind of imagery was really really important. So bigger the better really in terms of your your kind of your male what, what do you want to call it your essence really yeah. is attached to that the same we discussed in, in yeah. when we talked about yeah. hair and yeah. there are certain certain symbols parts of the body that are supposed to represent power or, or, or things exactly. so so yeah it, it does affect everybody why don't you give us just a little bit of a breakdown here on on um how how is this actually done what what exactly is going on here when we talk about male enhancement so you're actually making the size of the penis bigger yes so it is true if we look at the statistics and we're going to go a little bit uh, deeper into that that this is just much more than just a, a cosmetic issue and yeah. i want to make this clear it's like hair restoration or um, um teeth that you want to put into braces Yes, it improves the cosmetic appearance, but it goes much deeper and wider than correcting uh, or just your cosmetic appearance. It is about the self-confidence. It is about the psychosexual health of that person that's hugely impacted 
by the, the perception perhaps or the real life small penis or smaller than you expect to be you know so the the procedure that we're going to discuss a little bit in detail later is um, uh, done in the clinic here and yes it can be addressed if you feel that you are not adequately endowed or that you would like to to address this issue because it is on your mind and it is negative for your psychosexual um, health absolutely come in and it starts with a basic uh, uh, consultation it will not be executed or done if it has any harmful or side effects that i don't think should be considered in the case i will tell you like some guys come into me and they have a full head of hair and they just very anxious about losing hair i will tell them you don't need a hair transplant and the same goes with it there are basic rules that we do follow it's not that the matter everyone walks in here will get a, a, a penis augmentation or increase in size so it comes down to basic consultation then obviously follow uh, information and i will explain to you there are different methods that can be done we can use a more natural um, product your body own fat and we uh, use adibus derived stem cell uh, for that and that we create micro fat it is like a liposuction i take the fat around your belly and we use that to enhance the size of the of the penis or a easier and slightly cheaper option might be to use longer acting hyaluronic acids specially formulated for penis enlargements right so those um, have the advantage that if you don't like it it can be dissolved it can be changed um, it can be enhanced um, it is body own products this both the adipose tissue as well as the hyaluronic acid and it is um, fairly in, in 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 the literature at least a safe procedure if you approach it with the right um, uh, medical and surgical skills to do this procedure here's one of the common questions that i know people want to ask because i get asked it sometimes when people find out what we do here so you're you're basically taking a substance and you're injecting it into the penis mm. to make it bigger yeah and um, which particular parts are you injecting is it all of the the, the penis itself or is it specific areas um, and you mentioned something there about using your body-owned products or some kind of non-natural products. Yeah. Your body-owned products, does that involve actually growing tissue in the penis? Or yeah. is it all just about adding in filler, basically, to, to, to fill it and make it look bigger? Or, or is there a way of actually growing tissue there? Right. So there are two parts of the question. Let me ask, uh, answer the, the last bit first. Yeah. If we use adipose tissue, that is fat tissue, and we create microfat with that, and that is implanted in exactly the same way that we would use a hyaluronic acid filler. Now, there are other types of fillers as well, which I will talk about. But in general, where and how you execute the, the procedure is exactly the same. So it's not put just under the skin or any place. It is very specifically surgically placed between the dartos tunica and box fascia. Now, if you think about the, the penis and you could uh, do a cross-section in it, you have the inner body, which is your spongiosum, your cavernous um, bodies that makes up the banana, right? And then you have about three, four, five layers 
of soft tissue around this core center, right? On that, one of the first uh, layers would be the Bucks fascia, then the Dartus fascia, you have then fatty tissue, you have soft tissue in between that, your different uh, smaller uh, fascia layers in there. And we basically try to put it in um, right in the right uh, body. There's a plane or a sheath in which the, the adipose tissue or the hyaluronic acid then is injected into very carefully and in, with us in a skilled hands. It is a very fairly safe procedure. There's not large blood vessels that runs in these fascia layers. So it is fairly straightforward. And if the surgeon is well-trained and well-experienced in executing this procedure, it is a relative low um, risk procedure. But whether you use adipose tissue or whether you use a hyaluronic acid or alternative type of material, where you place it is exactly the same way. Now, sometimes I also um, prepare um, from the microfat. We go one step further and we create nanofat. The nanofat, I, in my case, in my clinic, use to uh, then inject very superficial in the skin, in the deep dermis. Why is that? As men age, they would find that the penis skin becomes very wrinkled and old looking. So if you want to rejuvenate even the appearance of the skin, yes, we use the same method and the same procedure I use for facial wrinkles and lines, and I'm using it for the penis wrinkles and lines. So yes, in that case, we use a very different fascia layer and a very different layer to inject the nanofat into more deep dermal and just subcutaneous, and that fills up. Remember, just below the skin is a very thin layer of fat, which when you're younger is quite thick and gives the penis a much spongy, a soft uh, feeling. When you get older, that uh, soft uh, fat layer disappears gradually, it disintegrates, and you don't have that soft, spongy appearance and hence a lot of wrinkles and lines. So the support tissue for the skin of the penis gradually deteriorates over age as well. So I even do the cosmetic improvement on the penis, not only size, but actually try to create a fresher, younger appearance of the penis, yes. The second part of your question about uh, how do we grow the penis, actually that is a wrong impression. Um, while you're executing the procedure, whether it's adipose tissue, uh, inserting your own fat tissue into the penis, or using a hyaluronic acid, in executing that, you can see the penis literally grow in size, right? So just to make sure that there is not a matter of uh, the penis growing physically, it is just enhancing the actual size. Um, so it's actually you're ju you're literally just putting filler in. Yes, um, it's it's you're not uh, the the penis isn't growing naturally or growing because you're stimulating growth. It's literally just you're putting in extra material, and immediately you can see that extra material. It makes it look bigger. Exactly, okay. and keeping in mind here that most of the cases that comes into me are men in the uh, even in their twenties, but thirties, and definitely forties and fifties that will come in, and the first thing they they will tell me, you know what. My penis size has shrunk. Is that possible? And absolutely. And we will talk about that now as we age. As a matter of fact, the penis size starts to change and reduce in size from the age of 25. 
Okay. That is about the maximum that you would find average is at 25, the penis size, both flaccid and erect. And then it goes downhill, unfortunately, like many other things in the body, right? Mm. So yes, most people come and say, you know what, I used to be this size. And men are interesting because they would typically measure these things yeah. and they actually have data to show you this is what it used to be you know and they would come back and say look at me now you know i'm 10 years older but look at this this is the difference you know and even my wife or my girlfriend said you know actually yeah. in all fairness it looks a bit older and it looks not as healthy and as big as it used to be do you ever see so, pie charts or spreadsheets or anything like that <laughs> yes exactly so i suppose in the end Coming from my point of view as a professional doing this work, I don't view this any different than any other aging part, whether I'm injecting Botox for wrinkles and lines on the face or eventually uh, doing a penis enlargement. It is still part of the aging process. Yeah. And aesthetic medicine is about improving the aesthetic appearance for that person. Right. So it's not growing the, 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 the actual penis, but what it does is actually growing the size of the penis or restoring it at least. And we're not going to go crazy here or doing um, a type of treatments that should never be done. It is the equivalent of females walk into my clinic and they really have duck lips with lip augmentation and they want to make it even bigger. And I would say, who did, who did that to you in the first place? Yeah. It should not be done. We should always keep a natural, healthy appearance. And if you look for more than that, you are not going to find it in my clinic. Yeah. I have no interest in sending you home with an abnormal sized penis and your wife or girlfriend giving out to you. I would like you to, 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 to look as healthy as you can and according to your expectation. Now, you always have to ex manage the expectations as a doctor. Whether you're doing aesthetic work, when you do cosmetic surgery, whether you do any work on the body, you always need to manage that expectation. And sometimes, yes, you do get the patient that has an expectation that's far beyond the natural and they're healthy, yeah. and I will correct that. I will not actually do any treatment for that person. But lucky, hey, most of the guys walking to me says to me, I have a bit of a concern. I'm one of that 45% of people worrying about my real size. What do you think? This is what, 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 what I have in mind. This is my expectation. What do you think? This is an open discussion. It is not for me to say, I think you're a great size, you know, and you should not be complaining, you know. It's not for me to say that. It is about the holistic health of that person, especially as we, if we talk about psychosexual health, which is a very difficult um, uh, topic in general in many cultures, including the Irish culture. All right. So you can be rest assured that when you open this topic with me, I will manage it in a very professional way and you can say to me exactly what you could perhaps never say to anyone else. Yeah. So we'll stick on this for, for a minute here. I know I'm jumping backwards and forwards between the procedure and the culture mm. and all that, but you made yeah. a good point there. I know there are there, there's data. You can go on Google and you can look up what is the average size for, and yeah. it'll generally be a, a, a geog geographical thing. So yeah. the average size for Irish males is, and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of why people want to do this yeah what in your experience is too small or too big now i just want to be careful here because if i was to answer this question there is no yeah. too small or too big yeah. it's it's just it's just yeah. the psychological health yeah. of the person is important yeah. and if yeah. you're happy with it yourself yeah. you're yeah. perfect yeah. um but i know a lot of people get hung up on these particular figures and you probably see when they come yeah. in they might say to you yeah. well look i'm an inch below average or or yeah. like 
what, what in your medical opinion is too small or too yeah, big? Is there a yeah. functional aspect to this? Yes. And I'm going to perhaps just start with size and then I'm going to jump straight into a very interesting study that was done. The average side for flaccid penis would be about 3.7 inches only. That's 9 centimeters, mm. under 10 centimeters. That is the actual official more or less worldwide. average size worldwide, okay. except right, okay. Whereas an erect one would be between 13 and 18 centimeters. That is only 5 uh, inches um uh, five, uh, five to seven inches, more or less, you know, and so it is not really big. Mm. But here's the study, and this is the whole point of this discussion: is that in the studies that was done, it was clear that people with small size penises didn't really bother them that much. The group that complained mostly about undersize was your average size penis guy. Okay, and this is the whole point, you know. If we survey females, right, they would seldom regard size of penis important. There are many studies that shows that they are many other things are more important to them. And very low on their list is the size of the penis. Yeah. Right? I think most people know that. You know. But for the male psychological health and sexual health, that is nearly, to it is the top of the list. Okay. So we should not ignore what is important for most males, you know, and the fact that the study showed that the average guy are much more concerned about his size than the small guy actually answers your question. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So I think it's important that we always see it in context. And I think, again, it is, it is the same. I'm looking at the hair transplant patient and I try to decide, but you have enough hair. For that person, it's not enough hair. Yeah. But for me, it looks okay. Now, a, 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 a wife looking at a husband, she would say, why would you go to the doctor? Are you mad? There's nothing wrong with your penis size. The point here is, if you and your mind is actually contemplating, and this is a thing that comes back time and time to visit you, right? Rather come in and we'll have a chat, and hopefully I can just reassure you without any treatment further, yeah. right? But it is putting it into the context of general health, of your well-being, of the psychosexual aspects of this. Because what is very clear from these studies is that if males are thinking they are inadequate in size, they are the ones that develop more likely erectile dysfunctions. They are more likely avoiding sexual intercourse. They are subconsciously avoiding the showers. They're avoiding other males seeing them. It, um, these things become much more of an issue yeah. than just treating it. Yeah. So I think it is important that we always sh should keep in mind that we be, be talking here about humans, about people with feelings with that we can't predict. And a very valuable um, uh, opportunity is for somebody wondering about that to just sit down with a trained person like myself and many a time the person walks out without any plan for further um, treatments which i prefer right but for those that say you know what now i know what to do yeah. right that that is exactly 
what bothers me, well, a new world opens for that person. Okay, so it's more of a comparative issue and a, a psychological issue that we have here. So as I made the point that people with average size, they're just comparing themselves to people with larger size and then they feel inadequate mm. where they're actually perfectly functional. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but, but I take your point because we see a lot of people who come in here as well, specifically for, for things like hair restoration and, and yeah. cosmetic issues. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's their own perception of themselves really that affects it more than anything else that is an interesting point because again social media on the internet has a huge i've seen over the last 10 years consulting males with particularly this topic right um internet porn has brought a complete different slant on this because suddenly men are comparing which is a perfectly normal healthy average male something to something uh to a penis size that is um Beyond expectation outside as an average, curve, and yeah, it's yeah. outside of that bell curve, you know. But that plays a huge role now, and I often just have to sit down and explain to put it in context, and they suddenly realize that's exactly what they're doing, you know. They're comparing yeah. to the wrong, uh, uh, wrong size. Also keep in mind in the psychosexual development of uh, a young male and boy, a lot of these issues starts in childhood. And the studies are out there that proven that comparing yourself to an older brother or a dad has huge effect on, on young children growing up then always with the thought that they are much, much smaller in size than the adult they've seen perhaps as a young child. So it is important that parents do put things in context. And um, this is a, a difficult topic when it comes to nudity and observing nudity. And I think there are many opinions on how it should be approached. I'm just saying, from my experience in the clinical examination room, that that often comes up as a problem that started already in childhood by a comparison, right? So the the size is important, obviously, you know, but I think healthy education, it must be pushed into society more and we should talk about these things more because it takes one sentence that will change a person's um, um, perhaps perception yeah. of his own size and he might never think about that again. It could be crushing, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, in terms of actual medical indications for something like this, mm. um, so so take, take out the psychosomatic stuff, not that it's not important, it absolutely mm. is and it's real. Um, but in terms of medical indications for this type of procedure, mm. the one that springs to my mind is, is something called micropenis, which yeah. is not a derogatory term. That's an actual yeah. medical condition exactly. for, for an exceptionally small mm. penis. Yeah. Um, that could obviously cause functional issues and, and actual reproductive issues for people. Is, is that something that can be treated with this, this type of uh, procedure? Yes, absolutely. And I would always suggest in the case of where a real micropenis, obviously that person needs to be seen always by a consultant urologist first and one of the options that the the patient might be given is to consider a male penis size enhancement and for many of them it makes a huge difference for instance if we use um, adipose tissue derived stem cells uh, to increase the size or even filler size you must remember a micro penis might only be three centimeter long to suddenly have a five centimeter penis, yeah. which is still below your average size, in size it is a huge thing for that person. Yeah. And guess, guess what? The functionality becomes, with copulation becomes more natural and easier. And there are many things that we can introduce other than just surgical 
penis lengthening operations, which are complicated and has its risks, right? So there is a huge opportunity for us to offer help to small micropenis patients, but also to your average size people uh, that just feel they're not adequately endowed. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go through a bit of a, a quick-fire question mm. around with you now mm. just to get back into the actual procedure itself. Yeah. First one, is it painful? Is this a painful procedure to have done? So in my clinic, I always offer the people the option of a bit of sedation. It is not general anesthetic sedation. It is still injections into the penis. It is not comfortable at all, right? Mm. And it can even be painful. So let me be very clear on that. And guess what? Nine out of ten guys take me up on the offer of a sedation. Um, um, that uh, while you sedate it in that first 10 minutes where you sleep, um, it, I would use a, a local anesthetic block to do a block on the tenus, and it's completely pain-free, the whole procedure. Most guys just wake up after a few minutes after midazolam. That's the sedation I use, uh, which is a short-acting uh, um, barbiturate. So the, 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 the patient come around, and we just... Chat away further, you know, okay. so, but absolutely no pain whatsoever, right? The advantage you have then is that I will do the treatment and I will show the person, I say, you know what, I, I like, that's good for me now, that's fine, you know. Yeah. Uh, you have the advantage if the person is around to actually give you a bit of, of, of an idea what they prefer or no, which you like. I would like a little bit more girth on it, you know, then of course we can do it, you know. But yes, most of people would do it under sedation. Perfect. Um, what about recovery? What's the recovery like from something like this in terms of days? You need to take days off of work. Are you painful for a while? Are you able to manage that? There's no time downtime. Uh, there's no reason why you can't back, go back to work the next day. Um, the... The only time downtime you might have is to go out and buy new uh, jocks and because you might need a bigger size then, all right? <laughs> but so um, the, there's no down, downtime. Uh, the the procedure is is fairly um, um, straightforward. There is very little bruising, if any. It might be around the foreskin or around the glance area at the entry points of the of the of the penis or at the base where the injections were made, but very little uh, bruising. However, if I do an enhancement of the corona or the glance, in other words, if we do a glance enlargement as well, a lot of guys have a fairly uh, good size uh, erection on the shaft, but they co would come and tell me, you know, I think my head looks funny. It looks so small. And actually, my partner made a remark about that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't look like my head is increasing at size when I get an erection. Now, some men are unfortunately like that. And in that case, we would do uh, enlargement of the crown of the of the penis. And in that case, there's quite significant bruising. So in that case, I would tell them, listen, you're going to have a bit of a blue head okay. for, for, for possibly 10 days, you know. But in general, a fairly friendly surgical procedure, yeah. Dan, you also asked me about the micropenis and obviously uh, the appearance of that. Many a time when people come into me, there are other issues other than just a smaller looking penis. And one of the interesting uh, issues that I uh, many times identify is that some men might have quite a large suprapubic fat pad. Now, that is the fat pad more or less where your pubic hair sits. Right. Now, in some men, there is a very typical accumulation of quite a lot of fat. 
in this fat pad. And that forms like a, a, a glove that sits around the base of the penis. Remember about a th one third of the actual penis sits inside your body like a root, like a tree root anchored. All right. And if you have a very large fat pad, it actually enfolds the base of the external part of the penis. So it actually, what you see on the outside looks then much shorter than it actually should be. So sometimes there's two, three centimeters of the penis length that just absolutely disappears because of this punch of, 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 of fat that envelops the base of the penis. And I do in my clinic a very interesting treatment of a fat-dissolving uh, treatment, which is very safe, which is uh, generally used for fat deposits. For instance, it's very popular for females for the inner thigh fat pad, the, the gun sacks, the love handles, for men for male breasts or moobs. Or that is a treatment we use very successfully to reduce those pockets of fat that creates an unsightly T-shirt, you know, or a hanging breast or a, a, a love handle on the sides when you have your jeans on with a tight T-shirt, you know. So that is a treatment that is used very successfully to also reduce this suprapubic fat pad. And many times I would suggest to, to guys, why don't we reduce the fat pad side first? And then you see if you you've not settled your problem you yeah. know and sometimes it does sometimes people would say you know what i don't need the enlargement procedure anymore i actually just uh, love it the way it is now i can see more of my penis now and actually that looks uh, i'm happy, happy with that then, yeah. it looks normal yeah. right i just also want to make this point about uh, the the penis enlargement it is mainly increasing the girth of the of the penis and not necessarily always the length. Okay. And this is very important. To, to increase the length of the penis, it usually entails a surgical uh, urology uh, 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 operation, which is quite complicated and should be uh, done by a very good, experienced, and qualified um, uh, consultant urologist, right? But the question is often asked, you know, will I look bigger? I would always say you will increase the thickness of, this, uh, of, uh, of the penis. It will definitely look wider and thicker, both when you flash it as well as when you erect. Will it increase the length of it? From my experience, maybe one or two centimeters. Mm -hmm. Why? The weight of the penis increases. Okay, yeah. And when you stand up particularly, there is definitely increase in the length. And a lot of guys who had the treatment would tell me, you know, Dr. Sam, I just love the girth, but I'm particularly pleased with the length. Even that one centimeter makes a difference. I can see there's a difference, you know, and I've, I just want to make that clear. I rather say there's no increase in the length than create the expectation that it might be. But from experience, yes. It just hangs lower because of the weight, most likely, right? Hi, guys. In this episode, I'm discussing male health and penis augmentation procedures with Dr. Sam Van Eden from New Cell in Dublin. If you'd like to learn more about anything we discuss on today's podcast, you can contact us at info at To get in touch with Dr. Sam at New Cell, you can email hello at newacell.com 
or visit www.newacell.com. Okay. And in terms of getting back into normal sexual activity or masturbation or anything like so that? So normally what I would advise them is to let the product settle about for three days. It's an hour in any way a bit sensitive because of the injection yeah. areas itself. So it's usually uncomfortable. You're going to get your no- nocturnal erections, whether you like it or not. They're going to happen anyway. You might even have a few erections during the day. But I would not encourage actual physical um, um, uh, stimulation. But after three days, it is actually important for you to start uh, your just general masturbation. You don't have to ejaculate. But the whole idea is to actually massage the, the, the product, uh, whether it's the stem cells, whether it is the hyaluronic acid, to make sure that it spreads evenly on the shaft and no better way than uh, masturbation yeah. uh, action for that to make sure that it spreads. The place where we put it is very important as well. Um, it is a, the penis, believe it or not, are very, is a very complicated piece of machinery and a very complicated piece of anatomy with a lot of dynamics at play between flaccid and erect. So it might be looking easy to do the procedure, but believe me, you need to know exactly, and the consultation entails sometimes for me to ask people to bring a photo with them of the erect penis on their mobile phone, right? Because there's a huge difference in shape, size, curvature, between the flaccid and the erect pain. And those things are important to take into consideration when you execute the treatment to make sure that once this monster wake up, that it still looks good and even better. Yeah. Right. So you need to be very well known with your anatomy. This is not something that, that should be attempted if somebody with not very good understanding of the male penis anatomy. So where you put it in and how it appears... Uh, can be completely different if you don't know what you're doing. So that's why it's important to have a little photo there, perhaps, of flaccid and erect. It's very helpful when you bring that to the consultation. But also, when you do the treatment and you um, um, distribute the product, it should obviously be evenly distributed. But having said that, we very seldom, in my clinic at least, we avoid treating the underside of the penis. And the reason for that is that the research has shown that the most sensitive area of the penis is actually the whole length of the bottom of this of, 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 the, of the penis, the underside, and particularly the underside of the glands and the frenulum. That area, so that is two areas where we avoid putting product in. So I physically avoid doing it in that area, and we would put it rather more on the top of the penis and on the sides and avoid the underside, right? But that means there is, to start off, uh, 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 despite trying to be as even as possible, the masturbation helps afterwards to make sure that the product is spread into the right way in a very even way to give a natural appearance and shape. Kind of ties into my next question then, because I get this one a lot, specifically with things like breast enhancements or, or augmentations. Mm. Is will it will it feel and look normal afterwards? It's, it's not unusual to the touch, or doesn't look unusual. And um, I know obviously every attempt is made to make it look as natural as yeah. possible, but you yeah. know, sometimes you can get a, an unnatural appearance if it's not yeah. done well. And um, does it tend to feel and look normal? Basically, yeah. yeah. It absolutely feels and look normal. Okay. Right. Well. The, the reality is there that the penis looks much bigger, 
physically, yeah. about 30% bigger even, right? So that is huge in the size of a flaccid penis to have a 30% sudden increase. So is, is your wife going to see it? Yes, she is going to see it, right? Yeah. Uh, is, uh, are you going to see it? Absolutely, all right. And will, will she or will you feel a difference? No, it is a bit more spongy. It's more like your teenage penis used to be. Yeah. That's exactly more spongy, a softer to the touch because you've got more uh, tissue now accumulated under the skin like the younger penis, right? If you're 40 and 50 years old and you've lost more of this subcutaneous tissue, are you feeling much more different than the guy in his 30s? Absolutely. You will have a much... Um, softer to the touch uh, appearance, much uh, uh, a big improvement in the girth of the appearance of the penis. But from an erect point of view, and this is the, the important thing, is that this is not a great way of particularly increasing the size when you erect. It does improve this the girth uh, 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 significantly when you erect, yes. But you're not going to suddenly be a, a monster, uh, after the treatment like that when you erect. Yeah. You still must understand the, the, the cavernous body, the inside of the body of the penis acts like balloons, three balloons, uh, or two balloons rather, that that um, blows up. The third balloon is the glands, the head, that actually blows up with blood. It literally fills with blood like a tire is blown up. So that brings the size of the, of the erect penis. How it covers outside is actually compressed okay. between the skin and these balloons. And that doesn't make that much of a difference then when you erect. Okay, okay. Um, and then the last question I have for you then is potential side effects. This is a medical procedure, so they yeah. all carry side effects. But yeah. specifically with this type of procedure, yeah. are, are there anything to, any risks to be aware of or things that people should note in their head before they consider something like this? Any procedure should be avoid number one. Yeah. So if we can avoid procedure, yeah. that should be the first one. All right. Second one, it is a vascular organ. So although where we the plane where we put this in, in other words, the layer in which we put it around the penis is actually a low vascular area. So there's not a lot of blood vessels and nerves running in there. So luckily, usually there's very little bruising uh, involved. The bruising most of the time is where we uh, pierce the skin with the needle to insert it. That is bleeding from the skin or yeah. blood vessels in the skin, and that causes most 99% of the bruises. But we actually, where we put it into those fascia, between those fascia layers, there's actually very little bruising. Obviously, infection is always a possibility. And good hygiene, I will train you on the day exactly how to look after your hygiene uh, in that area is very important. And obviously, bruising and swelling is always inevitable, doesn't matter how we work so for that point i just want to say how i place it is actually with a blunt cannula and not a needle okay right so just to put that out of your mind it is not i'm using a thick needle sticking it into the penis no not at all we pierce the skin with a with a very uh, uh, uh in a controlled way with a with a, a needle and then i insert a blunt cannula that is a round tip and the opening sits on the size on the side where the actual material, whether it is the 
adipose tissue or whether it's the filler material is then pushed out through this little opening on the side of the needle. So it's actually an atraumatic type of procedure. So it, it slides in between the fascia layers and there's actually very little trauma, hence very little bruising. However, there is one big issue that I need to point out here, and that's again relating to the complicated anatomy of the penis. And that is about the foreskin. Very, very few guys are circumcised. For instance, in Ireland and the UK, it's, we reckon it's less than 7%. Yeah. So guess what? More than 9 out of 10 guys walking to my clinic for enhancement have a foreskin. And because you're putting this between the two layers, and that two layers runs right into the, the, the foreskin, right? It means if you put the product into the shaft, it will find its way eventually to the foreskin. Right. And you can very easily create a phimosis or narrowing, and you would find it difficult to pull the foreskin back over the glance of the procedure like that. And again, it's the methodology, the method, and the experience. Most of the time, that doesn't appear at all in my clinic, but it is a known side effect that people would find it very difficult to retract the foreskin after the procedure. And in the right hands, that is a low side effect, but it can happen. Usually what I do, I have a certain uh, methodology. Certainly most of the time I follow a standard methodology that will avoid that happen, but it can still happen and it can be corrected. How long does something like this last? Is this a permanent procedure or is this something that you have to get repeated? Will it eventually disappear? Will it shrink again? Like what, what kind of time frame can you expect out so of something like this? The answer lies in the aging process, yeah. which is ongoing. So yes, it will gradually reduce in size again for two reasons. Um, you, when As we age, the natural body uh, has a degenerative process through which it goes. So even whether I use your adipose tissue uh, or a Philip uh, material, your body breaks it gradually down. Right. So here's the basic rules. If we use the adipose-derived tissue, right, in other words, your own um, fat stem cells, I would, um, from my experience, would think that three to five years is the longevity of a procedure like that. It's similar to fat that you place in the face or anywhere else where you do fat transfer operations, right? So about three to five. So it lasts much longer than most of the fillers that would be used. There are different types of filler material and the ones that specifically designed for urology use, that's the filler I use, right? They are designed to last about three to four years. And there are other fillers, and I would not recommend for you to look at fillers that's permanent. Avoid those, because eventually we know from experience that they often cause late side effects and complications which should be avoided. Right? But most you can expect after the procedure a good two to four years. Of course, in a young man who still have intercourse three, four times a week, that will not last as long in an, as an older man, perhaps that just have one uh, uh, intercourse a week. Yeah. So usage also plays a role. How many times the person masturbates? So there are factors that uh, affect the longevity of the product. But in general, the general consensus around three years to four years would be a good time for you to review your... And the... Interesting thing is, it actually, unless you leave it completely for 10 years, it actually will never go back. 
to the smaller original size. Because they've stretched it out. Exactly. Yeah. There's a bit of a stretching effect. The materials, both the fat tissue as well as the, the, the hyaluronic acid we use, are actually stimulating collagen growth. So your own tissue grows. So that's why it lasts longer as well. So you have physical tissue enhancement and built up of your own tissue. So from my experience, um, I've never seen a person that came up for, for a top-up procedure that actually says to me, oh, I'm back to where I was f- three, four years ago. Yeah. They all always say, well, yeah, I th- they're still good but in here, but I would just love to have my size back again. Can you help me? It's a bit like maintenance. It's like going to the dentist to review your teeth every two or three years, have a tooth filling done again, uh, the same done uh, having a Botox done every six months or filler repeated every two years. It's maintenance. It's yeah. about what that person put into it um, and how that person manages the, 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 the reality. The, the, what is important is that it's done in a safe way and it's regarded as safe procedure. There's very good publications and, and very good supporting documentation that shows the value uh, of using this particular methodologies to enhance male appearance for the penis and also enhance psychosexual health for males. And this has opened a huge new chapter where we could offer these um, uh, solutions for people and not for them to walk for the rest of their lives always thinking I'm inadequate. You know, should I meet this girl now? You know, what is she saying? And they say, you know, what if that changes yeah. hugely when you people walk out here? Now, this is the point I want to just to bring um, to, 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 to you. I'm doing a lot of different aesthetic treatments from hair restoration to uh, Botox to filler treatments to all kinds of aesthetic enhancement procedures. Right? We do also a lot of stem cell-based treatments, sports injuries, etc. But the one treatment that is outstanding when it comes to patient satisfaction is this male enhancement wow. procedure. There is nothing that would be rated 12 out of 10, 11 out of 10, or 20 out of 10 of any of the other procedures. But often if I would say to people in a follow-up, how do you rate this out of 10? I nearly always would find males that would say to me, oh, 12 out of 10. Really? Yeah. I've never found anyone with a hair restoration saying 12 out of 10 or uh, even a stem cell for a tendon treatment. Yeah. Oh, they would say 10 out of 10 or 9 out of 10. You know, That's but gross. this is the procedure that they over always over. It's over is always over the ex- expectation yeah. of what they had and the pleasure it brings and the self confidence they would turn. The the type of follow up I would get and feedback, the testimonials I would personally get back. This is not something that people would put on on internet always, you know. But the reality is that the the the, the people are elated. The the the, the change it brings in their self confidence and in their mindset, and to have the confidence of appearance, it it's it is uh, you can't buy that in money. Yeah. You just cannot do the 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 money side of it is far outweighing uh, um, the the actual money that is spent on it. The yeah. expectation, yeah. What what are we looking at in terms of cost for something like this? 
So uh, cost-wise, there is a, uh, a difference between using the adipose tissue stem cells. In other words, when we use your own body fat, that is a much more intriguing procedure, taking about uh, easily two to three hours. In that case, we do a liposuction. We remove fatty tissue from around the, the, uh, the uh, umbilicus, around the navel, and we process that into microfat, and that's implanted into, into the penis. And that would work out about 4,300 euros in a clinic, and it's a two-three procedure, our procedure. There's obviously a longer recovery period because now you have a stomach that is quite bruised and, and swollen looking, a bit uncomfortable for a few days, but again, back to work the next day, no time off. There's no reason for that, right? When we talk about the using a filler for the, the procedure, that works about 3,800 euro. Um, depend on, sometimes people would need very little. Right. Um, then it might be about 3,000 euros, 2,800 to 3,000 euros. But the average spend would be, would be about 3,600 to 3,800. And it depends on the product and how much of the product is used, obviously. Right. Sometimes we, I also do the combination, as I explained earlier, where I actually combine the nanofat with even microfat and combining that with the filler treatments, right? So you get combinations, and then you pay only for the adipose tissue. I don't, there's no additional charge for, 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 for the rest. So about 4,300 to 4,500 euros for that procedure. And sometimes the combination treatments are the most um, um, rewarding ones, um, and they're particularly good for our more senior and more adult uh, mature men yeah. who need a bit more work and a bit more restorative work from appearance point of view, wrinkles, lines, and not only enhancing the subcutaneous tissue. Yeah, yeah well, I'm sure if you're getting 12 out of 10s and 20 out of 10s, the cost isn't really a major factor for people if they're getting that kind of satisfaction. That That is exactly the point which uh, which I made. You know, it is, um, they they if you ask them, will you do it again? They will say, tomorrow I'll do it again. You yeah. know, and for yeah. the money um, that, that the joy it brings me, the money is, is not comparable yeah, to the yeah. joy it brings me. Last thing, I know even though we we're, we kind of try and blow the taboo on a lot of this stuff, this is always going to be a very personal, private topic for people. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, it's the, 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 the final few steps, the procedure not as easy for them. It's that first step. It's how to make the contact, how to admit that they're worrying about something like this because they have to face that, what they think is going to be the shame and embarrassment of it all. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they don't even want to ring the clinic here, even though we've got a very professional team of people and th this is yeah. literally what they do. Yeah. Is there a way to contact you directly if someone has questions for you or wants to ask yeah. you directly about anything um, if they're considering a procedure like this? Yeah, uh, Dan, I've got no problem doing these one-on-one -on -one as I do all my male procedures contact me directly one-on-one. -on -one. I've got no problem with yeah. that. Or you can go through the clinic um, office, of course. Um, if they use my, my, if they use my personal email, docsam, D-O-C-S-A-M, at nuacell, N-U-A-C-E-L-L dot com, they can contact me directly, right? But what I want to also reassure people, because this clinic is such a diversity of client visits from anything from hair restoration 
to male circumcisions to female Botox and wrinkles and lines and male breast enhancements and, and all kinds of treatments that we do. There is no issue uh, when people come in to, to sit in the waiting room with two, three other people. No one's going to know no, you're no, here Nobody's really that, knowing yeah. exactly what you're here for. You yeah, know? Yeah. So that I can reassure you, coming into my clinic has no embarrassment issue at all. Also, when you call the clinic, um, and especially because we do a lot of male, uh, male type of treatments, all you have to say, I'm inquiring about a male treatment. Yeah. And that's it. And you, my reception won't ask you exactly what is going, what it's about, what type of knee. All you say, I want to come in for a consultation for uh, a male procedure. And that's the only thing you have to say. Otherwise, you're welcome to contact me directly on my email. Okay, Dr. Sam, well, that was an, another great conversation, another part of our male health series there. Um, thank you very much. Um, and I'm sure we'll continue this series as we go on and we will touch on female health, mm. as we said. But um, thanks for your time. Thank you very much, Dan. It was a very interesting topic. Thank you. If you or someone close to you would like to learn more about male health or anything discussed in this podcast, then you can contact Dr. Sam at Newacell Clinic by emailing hello at newacell.com or visit the website www.newacell.com. If you want to get in touch with us about the podcast, then you can email us at info at humanregenerationproject.com. And if you enjoy the show, you can show us your support by subscribing and following us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks very much for listening, and see you next time.